Father, thank you for Mike's life. Thank you for the word that you've placed in his heart. Father, I just pray that you'll help him communicate that which you've placed in him. And Father, I just pray that we'll receive it well and that yeah, you will just be with him through it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Amen. Good evening, everyone. It's so good to be with you. I was with you guys last week as well, and um, it was just a wonderful night, and it's a wonderful night tonight. And isn't it good to be in, together in the presence of God? Amen. There was a word towards the end um, of our time that said, someone came and said, man, they really felt that this thing about the dry bones, they had a more corporate picture. And um, actually, Stephen mentioned it to me, and I looked at my notes, and right here, the first thing in my notes is a corporate picture. <laughs> so when you read that scripture in Ezekiel 37, it's about say to these dry bones live, and when they came together, I mean, it's true, you can't apply that thing to your dreams and all that and, and what God spoke over you. But when they came together, it wasn't one person with his or her dreams, it was the army of God. Right. And actually that army it was plural, the armies of God, man, it was like legions of men and women ready to do battle for the for the king of kings. Right. It was this massive corporate picture. And guess what this month is? This month is 120 month. Do you guys know you've heard of 120? We've done it a couple years. I'm getting a lot of blank stares. Raise your hand if you don't know what I'm talking about. Right. Yo. Wow. I'm so excited to announce this. Um, Y'all know Tuani is the name of the city we live in, right? Am I saying it right? Am I saying it American? Tuani. Tuani is the name of the city we get to live in. And the churches came together about two or three years ago and said, we want to make a corporate expression of unity across the body of Christ in our city. So they had, so they decided to come up with this thing, Tuani, and across um, all of the churches that are participating in Tuane, all, all across this huge municipality, all four Sundays, we're all preaching the same topics, right? And there's also some other cool stuff going on. There's, there's, um, there's prayer meetings. We had one right here in this room where there were pastors and, and civic leaders from the municipality, all this stuff. And it was believers from all these different churches coming together, coming together was my friend, coming together as one body, as one army. Because you know the church of Jesus is bigger than Hatfield, amen? Yeah, it's also bigger than 20, but at least in 20, we come together. So this is the first Sunday of 120 and I don't know about you, but I'm really excited to come together with every believer in this city and declare the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Therefore, 20, since it happens to be on earth, last time I checked, we're not on Mars. Ne? 20 is the Lord's and everything in it. Does anyone else agree with me? Right? So we're together in this thing. And I believe it, it's a beautiful picture of the body of Christ coming together. So tomorrow morning when you get up... Would you take that and say, man, Lord, I'm one, not just with my congregation and my church at Hatfield. Thank God for my church. But thank you, Lord, that I'm one body with every believer in this city and in this nation. And Lord, would you bring this beautiful bride of Christ together like never before? Amen. Son of man, can these bones live? And can they? Yes, they can. So um, if you could, so tonight's theme is one heart for God from the 120 thing. One heart for God. And as I give the introduction, maybe you can get your streetlights Bible app out. 
And, um, and go to, um, or if you're like me and you have, if you're old school like me and you have version, remember version? Yeah, man, well, you were so early 2000s. But um, that's my Bible app, version. Um, go to Matthew 21. In the meantime, I'm going to give you some introductory material because intros are fun. Um, I love that this theme, One Heart for God, comes right before the national elections in South Africa. Now, I'm not going to presume to talk about national elections in South Africa because I'm a guest that has the privilege to live in this country and I get to live here and I'm so grateful. So on Wednesday, y'all go vote. I'm not allowed to, (laughs) but y'all go do your thing. Go vote, right? But the cool thing is right before this very important day where all of us who are citizens are going to do our civic duties. I'm my brother, Seth. You and I can't vote, my brother, but we together, hey, we still love this country, right? Right, but, but all the rest of you, while you're doing your civic duty, but we remember this, we're going to have one heart for God, one undistracted heart. So while you do your thing and you pray and you're led by the Spirit, remember the hope for this country isn't in whichever box you tick. Who is the hope for this and every country? And we're going to have a look at that tonight. Right. I'm going to start with a really silly story. It's kind of silly, but it it's the only thing I could think of to illustrate the point. So y'all just bear with me. One morning when I was in college, I woke up choking, like literally choking. And it like freaked me out. I was scared. I was coughing. I was choking. I couldn't get. And I was trying to to like, you know, hack up this thing that was choking me and it wouldn't, it wouldn't come. I'm not trying to be gross. I'm just being real. It was very creepy. I was scared. I was scared. I, I bent, I was like trying to hawk that thing up and get out and I couldn't breathe. And as soon as I would cough, it would yank back like it was on a string or something. And it was choking me. And I was like, man, whatever this is, this is serious. And I look, I could have died in my sleep, you know? And I, I rushed to the doctor. I'm like, I need surgery. Something's swollen and it's swollen crazy. And man, I could have died, man. I cannot breathe. And I'm having all lean forward. So whatever the thing is that gravity can go that way so I can breathe. It was like hectic. And I'm in there. And y'all know doctors just never are affected by your trauma. And I'm like, oh, and the doctor's like, and you know what he gave me? He gave me a Nurofen and a Benadryl. I'm like, no, dude, I need surgery. Like put me on the gurney and take me in. I nearly died this morning. And he said, no, you just need, I could have bought that over the counter. He said, I know that'll be 600 Rand. Thank you very much. Like what? I'm like, well, what is it? He said, uvulitis. Like, uvulitis? What? Y'all know what a uvula is? It's a hangy ball in the back of your throat. What, I got hangy ball-itis? What, I nearly died because of a hangy ball. Come on, are you serious? All it, and it was swollen because of allergy. And I was like, I, could, I was convinced, guys, I need surgery. But you know what I needed? I needed an anti-inflammatory and an antihistamine. That's all I needed. And y'all, y'all are like, wow, that dude's an idiot. It's okay. <laughs> I was very young. <laughs> Man. So the moral of the story is what? Sometimes we think we need this. And actually, we need this. And we're going to look at a time in Israel's history where they had a very similar experience. So y'all got y'all street lights app. Man, they need to pay me for this marketing Y'all got your app ready. Um, Some of y'all have real Bibles. That's so cool. You know, old school. Yeah. Matthew 21. Look at verse 7 through 11. This is just backstory. So I'm going to read it really quick. 
Um, the disciples brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them. By the way, the funniest sermon I've ever heard in my life came from that verse. I'm not going to say it now, but if you ask me about it later, I'll tell you it is hysterical, right? But you have to ask me about it in private. <laughs> they brought the donkey on the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? And the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Let me give you a quick backstory because this is the group of people who thought they needed this. But Jesus is about to show them, you don't need that. You need this. Right? So here's the backstory. In 63 BC, 60-ish years before Christ was born, this Roman general named Pompey conquered Syria and then Jerusalem and annexed them into the Roman Empire. Um, and Rome, Rome was a mess. But anyway, 90-ish years later, Jesus was busy preaching, but there's been 90 years of Roman domination and occupation in Israel. So the anticipation of the Messiah, I mean, these folks have been looking forward to the Messiah since he was prophesied for centuries, right? But in this time in Israel's history, their anticipation of the Messiah was completely colored by this thing of, we got to get rid of Rome, Okay, so um, 400 years ago, when they would go to synagogue and talk about the Messiah coming, there was no talk of Rome. It was just the Messiah. But now, in the time of Jesus, when they would talk about the Messiah, he's going to come and he's going to get rid of those Romans. And he's going to restore our nation to our sovereign, powerful status that we had back in the good old days of David and Solomon. He's going to make our nation great like it used to be. He's going to restore our sovereignty. We're going to, he's going to set us up again and he's going to reign in Jerusalem as the greatest king in the earth. And that's what they were anticipating. They were anticipating this, this, um, this picture, which actually doesn't look much like the Old Testament picture of the Messiah at all, does it? But that's what they were anticipating. And this is the group of people who cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna. Do you know what Hosanna means? It means God, save us. And this word Hosanna had been part of the Jewish worship for so many centuries that it had kind of become a cliche. You know, kind of like 20 years ago, a lot of um, people were still saying hallelujah in church. Hallelujah. And they even know what it means. Hallelujah. Right? Right? It means praise the Lord, by the way. <laughs> Right? They're Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And I wonder how many people who were using that word even were aware of what it means. Did they know that they were saying to Jesus, God, save us? And we sang this song last Sunday night. I love this song. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Who is here? Do you remember that? Isn't that a beautiful song? Did you know? That you were saying, God, save us. God, save us. Save us from what? Right? We're, all of us in here, we're going to heaven, right? If you haven't met Jesus, please come straight up here immediately after we dismiss. And let's, let's pray together. you got to meet Jesus. 
He's like, you, you don't just need to hear about him. You need to come meet him personally, right? So just come. Let's, let's deal with it. Let's not make it spooky. Let's just come. I introduce you guys, and, and we'll be good, right? <laughs> you need to walk with Jesus. He's the king of kings. He's amazing, <laughs> right? But whether or not these people knew what they were saying when they said Hosanna to Jesus, that's what they said, and Jesus answered their prayer. They said, God, save us. And the son of God said, alrighty then. And he answered their prayer. And he went to the palace, right? Hey, yeah, I mean, save us, right? The Romans, they're a mess, right? So he went to the palace, hey? He went to the White House, right? That's a mess, y'all. He went to the union buildings, nay? He went to church. He said, God save us. And Jesus said, yes, indeed. And he went to the synagogue. He went to the temple, excuse me. And he sorted some stuff out. Because his people asked him to save them. And it always starts with God's people. It always starts with God's people. I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. I'm going to give you the punchline now. Not a movie that's in theaters. I'm going to spoil just this message, okay? Here's your spoiler alert. This political hero that they were expecting went to the place of worship, not to the palace. And indeed, he saved them. He saved them from materialism and idolatry. He saved them from disease and disability. He saved them from the silence of authentic praise. And therefore, from the noise of the enemy. See, sometimes we get it backward. Y'all, this is the punchline. I'm already giving you the end of the story. Sometimes we get it backwards. We think the church needs a righteous government. No, the truth is the nation needs a righteous church. Please stop begging for a righteous government and start being a righteous church. It won't take long. Amen. It won't take long. There'll be a righteous government. But don't get the cart before the horse. If you try to legislate the laws of God that, show, that are supposed to be written on our hearts. You'll have a bunch of whitewashed tombs full of death. All right. The nation needs a righteous church. And before, and before you start thinking, man, I need to be all perfect and holier than them and better than them. Righteous is a relational word. Righteous means in right standing. So if I'm right with God, but I treat other people like rubbish, I ain't righteous. If I, if I follow all the rules and I look good and I follow this rule and I follow that rule and I think I'm better than them, but, I make, but I'm turning my back while a bunch of people get exploited, I ain't righteous. Righteous is a relational word. Is that okay? Y'all still love me. <laughs> that was for free. The nation needs, South Africa needs a righteous church. There are any number, number of political viewpoints that have merit. Even though some of them are opposed to one another, listen carefully to every viewpoint. There's merit in everybody, in everybody's viewpoint. And in any democratic nation, a citizen's responsibility is to vote truthfully according to what he or she believes will be best for the nation as led by the spirit. And not just whatever party's interests align closely with mine, right? This Pastor Louis so beautifully shared with us last week. Do y'all remember? It was beautiful. 
But before that vote is cast, hear my heart, before that vote is cast and after the results are in, we are looking to the hope of this nation and the hope of every nation, and that is the king of kings. Not this party, that party. Is that okay? We're looking to the king of kings. We cry out, Hosanna, God save us. And he changes not merely our politics, he changes our lives. And rather than rewrite the laws of the land, he firstly writes his law on our hearts. So Jesus responded to the cries of Hosanna by going to the temple where he saved them. Just not in the way that they were expecting. They were wanting a surgery. And Jesus had different priorities because like my doctor, he knew what they really needed. Right? So that's the end of the story. And let's just have a look now at what Jesus prioritized saving us all from. Is that okay? We're going to have a look at these things and then we're going to drink some coffee. It's certainly not what first century Roman oppressed Jews were expecting. So read with me in your streetlights app. Um, verses 12 through 16 of the same chapter, Matthew 21. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. Amen. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Yeah, I guess I have to stop now. Did y'all hear that? Shaw, yeah. <laughs> I'm already in on man. It's not, I love a few weeks ago. It always said six o'clock. They were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never, y'all, it's getting crazy up in here. Can y'all, here you go. All right, nice catch. (laughs) These people said, don't you, Jesus, don't you hear what these kids are saying? They're daring to worship you as if you were God himself. And Jesus replied to them, haven't you read from your Bible? From the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth praise. This is Jesus' answer to God save us. So let's look at these three things. The first thing he did is he saved them from materialism and idolatry. Now, this is not fun for people in the West to read. He's, when he does this, he's dropping scripture references like crazy. Y'all should look at them footnotes when you read in your Bible. Those are, he's dropping scripture references. And Jesus doesn't play games. He does things on purpose. So we, let's just have a look at these scripture references that he, that he drops. And let's see what he's saying. Is he saying it with a purpose? The first one is his house of prayer. My father's house will be a house of prayer. And that's Isaiah 56, 6 and 7. And it says this. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants. All who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and all who hold fast to my covenant. He's talking about foreigners, right? God says, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Now listen, this is, Israel was like, we're, we're the chosen people of God. And they were, right? So God is telling his people, any foreigner who holds my covenant, I'm going to bring him into my house. 
And the Israelites, this was shocking for them to hear this, right? I'm going to bring all of them into my, any foreigners here? Any, who's got Jewish blood, pure blood Hebrews here? Anybody? Any pure blood Hebrews, right? Right? Okay, so aren't you glad for this passage of scripture? Aren't you glad to be, am I the only one? I'm so glad I can be in the house of God because I'm, I'm like half Polish and half German. So I would be totally out if it wasn't for God allowing us Gentiles in. Right. So um, he said, I'm going to have them give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. When I was a kid, I thought that meant, ooh, we're supposed to pray for the nations in church. And, and we are. But you know what that actually means? That means every nation that will hold fast to God's covenant is welcome in the house of God. Every nation, everybody, foreigners, everyone, all of them welcome in my house, regardless of what they look like, regardless of what language they speak. No extra fees, no extra requirements. But as soon as we, by political, economic, or any other means, exclude believers in Jesus from the house of God, we've lost the plot. And it's happened before, hasn't it? It's happened all over the world. It's happened. But let me say this. God doesn't have one house for rich people and another house for poor people. He doesn't have one house for Greeks and one house for Jews. He didn't have another house for slaves and another house for free and this house for men and this house for women. God has one house, one God, one house, one church, one bride of Christ. Amen. One. And I love, that's what I love about my church here in, um, in Swanee is we all up in here, right? We can sing. I know I can't say that word well. Forgive me. I need speech therapy. We can sing. We can sing Zulu. We can sing Swana. We sing Afrikaans. We can sing English. We sing all this stuff. And everybody just, ah, we worship Jesus together. Man, I love that. I love that. What a, what a, what a representation of the heart of God. Never lose that. So the next reference Jesus drops is this den of robbers reference. And this one's a lot less fun to look at for a materialist. Um, and it's from Jeremiah 7, verse 1 through 11. It's a commentary. Jesus drops this thing, and it's his commentary on what's happening in the established religious practice in Jerusalem. And it's sobering. So have a listen to this. It's 11 verses in Jeremiah, but listen. This is the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah. Stand at the gate of the Lord's house and there proclaim this message. Hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judah who come through these gates to worship the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Reform your ways and your actions and I will let you live in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words and say this is the temple of the Lord. If you really change your ways and your actions and deal with each other justly. If you do not oppress the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow, if you do not shed innocent blood in this place, if you do not follow other gods to your own harm, then I will let you live in this place, in the land I gave your ancestors forever. But look, you're trusting in deceptive words that are worthless. Will you steal and murder Commit adultery and perjury, burn incense to Baal and follow other gods you've not known. And then come and stand before me in my house, which bears my name and say, we are safe. Safe to do all these detestable things. Has this house, which bears my name, become a den of robbers to you? But I've been watching, declares the Lord. 
Now, I mean, everyone who was familiar with that passage of scripture, when Jesus dropped that line, they were like, oh, whoa. Yes, it just got serious up in here. He makes this reference while he's turning over the money tables and driving out those who were busy turning a profit in the house of God at the expense of those who wanted to seek him. Materialism. Listen to the statements in this passage. I'm going to highlight a few things that appear in this passage. Deal with each other justly. So Jesus is saying there's some injustice going on here. How many of there's some injustice happening in our modern world too? Should the church of Jesus Christ turn a blind eye? Oh, thank you, Lord. We're going to go to heaven one day. Are we called to do something about it now? I believe we are. Do not oppress the foreigner. Do not oppress the orphan. Do not oppress the widow. Do not shed innocent blood. Do not follow other gods. What's the idol of today? The idol of today is material. It's power. It's religion. Anything that takes the place of, of Jesus is an idol. Do not steal. Do not murder. Do not perjure. Do not commit. Do not do idolatry. Here's something I noticed when I was studying this. I can't believe I didn't see this before. I'm reading through this passage and there's idolatry and materialism and there's exploitation. And you look in the book of James and when he talks about idolatry and materialism, there's exploitation. And you look in Isaiah when he talks about worthless religion and idolatry and materialism, there's exploitation. Guess what? Wherever there's idolatry, there's exploitation. Wherever there's materialism, there's exploitation. They go hand in hand. And it makes sense. As soon as you stop worshiping the Father who created us all in his image, and you start worshiping power or whatever else you can get, of course you're going to start using those he created to get what you want for yourself. Wherever there is idolatry, there is exploitation. And what is Jesus' answer to the rampant exploitation that was happening in Israel? He didn't challenge the Roman government. And y'all, Rome was horrible, hey? Rome was horrible. Man, Rome needed some judgment. I mean, where was Amos? Me and Amos came in and they said, this is going to happen. Where was Amos at this time, you know? Rome needed some, Rome, Rome was a mess, right? But how did Jesus address the exploitation that was happening in Israel at this time. He went not to the Roman government, but he went to the temple and he went to the heart of the people who said they were God's people. And he said, stop it. Stop using one another. He said it to his own people, right? So if we want to see the end of exploitation in our world, we have to make sure we're not tolerating it in our own ranks. Is that okay? I love y'all. <laughs> hey, make no mistake. An undistracted, pure, holy church can bring justice to her community like no government ever has or ever will be able to. And listen, I believe in the role of government. And I believe very much in believers being involved in government. I do. But the hope of the world is the church with a capital C. And you know what it makes me want to do? It makes me want to cry, God, save us. God, show us how to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with you, God. God, make us an instrument of your justice in our communities, in our nation. Is anyone else hungry for that? Right? God. And you know what? I don't, I'm done just trying to ensure my own comfort or my own privilege. I want to see God do things. 
I want to see God do things. There's so many challenges in this beautiful nation. And what if it was believers who led the way and said, this is how you build an economy that can shrink the gap between those that have and those that have not. This is how you build an economy and a system where people can no longer exploit one another. This is how you do it. This is how you move past reconciliation to relationship where we walk hand in hand and love one another. We went past just not killing each other, and now we actually love each other. This is how you do it. Come on, does anyone else want to see that? I want to see believers lead the way in that. Because you guys, y'all have the only real thing that can really accomplish it. It's Jesus and his cross. That's the one thing that can do it. Shall we? Amen? Let's. He saved them from disease and disability. This is one verse. He healed all those that came to him. Amen. It's okay to say, God, I want to see miracles in church. Um, Habakkuk 3.2 says, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in all of your deeds. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. Gosh, would you cry out now? God, would you do again? What you God, we've heard of all this. Who's that dude that came from, from Seattle, Washington to South Africa in the turn of the 20th century and all these people got healed and now he's dead? God, would you do that stuff today? I don't want to hear about miracles from a hundred years ago. God, would you do stuff today? Lord, would you heal all those who are sick? We're crying out for miracles. Miracles. Amen. The last thing is, and this is what I want to spend some time on before we go have coffee. He saved them from the absence of authentic praise and therefore from the noise of the enemy. And why was the enemy's voice so loud? Because you know, Jesus, again, he doesn't quote things for fun. You know, y'all seen that meme that's going around feeling cute, IDK, I might whatever later. Y'all seen those things? Jesus wasn't all feeling cute, IDK, I'm going to quote a couple scriptures. No, man, he's on purpose, said something. If he said the silence of voice of the enemy, guess what? The enemy's mouth was running. The enemy's mouth. Why was the enemy's voice so loud in first century Jerusalem that Jesus would reference it having to be silenced by the praise of children? Well, if you look in the context, I would submit to you that the enemy's voice was loud because the poor were being oppressed. And the widows were abandoned and orphans were abandoned and innocent blood were being shed and authentic seekers of God were being excluded from the house of God. The people of God had lost the plot and the enemy was running his mouth like he owned the place. I don't know about y'all, but I hate the devil. I ain't finna give him airtime because he don't deserve it. But irreconcilable differences. Can we say it like that? We are never going to get along. Right? The people of God had lost the plot. There was not real authentic transformational worship of the living God happening in Jerusalem. And I want us to consider this question. Is there real authentic transformational worship of the living God alive and resounding in South Africa? Is there? And how can we make it louder? And louder and louder and louder. 
because I don't want you, but I'm done with the enemy running around, running his mouth like he owns a place. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, right? There's some, man, some anger should be rising up. The enemy shuts your mouth. And you do have the authority to tell the enemy to shut his mouth. But you know what's so much more effective? If you worship the living God. Because you have authority to tell him to leave and he leaves. But I'm telling you, you worship God and the presence of God manifests itself. You have never seen devils run like when God walks in the room. Right? Worship the living God. If praise silences the enemy, this is a sober statement, so hear my heart. If praise silences the enemy, then a loudmouthed enemy is evidence of a distracted church. This morning, in preaching on Psalm 96, y'all don't get emotional about this. In preaching on Psalm 96, Pastor Louie reminded us that worship to God is more than corporate singing in church. It's also corporate singing in church. That was beautiful tonight, worshiping with with you guys. It's amazing. But it's more than that. Coming here to see worship, he said, is like going to an airport to watch airplanes fly. Y'all know you don't really see them fly. You just see them take off, right? That is pretty cool. I mean, that's amazing, right? But you don't really get to see them fly. If you want to see an airplane fly, you got to figure out how to suspend yourself in the sky between airports, and then you can see them fly. Because the real flying happens between airports. And much like airplane flight, the real worship happens between church services, because your worship is your life. Right? I'll tell Louie that you applauded him. <laughs> the real worship happens when you're in your living, when you're in your lounge at your house loving your children. The real worship happens when you're on the street corner. The real worship happens when you don't hoot that taxi who deserves it. <laughs> the, real worship, the real worship happens when you're at your job and you do your work at the very best you possibly can as unto the Lord with excellence. And the people around say, man, what's, it, what's with that person? Look at how they do their work. You're, that's where the real worship happens. It's in between church services. Here we just land and encourage one another and we take off again, right? We worship the Lord. We worship the Lord 24-7. That's where worship happens. And I, I'm ready to hear a, a holy crescendo of worship, not worship music, I love worship music. I write worship music, you know. I also love rock and roll and jazz, but that's beside the point. <laughs> what I want to hear a crescendo of is authentic worship. Authentic worship. Like my friend who said in a meeting before church, and he said, y'all pray for us that are involved in the political scene. We're trying to be lights in a very dark place. Y'all, that's a worshiper. That's a worshiper. I don't know, is she involved in trying to make this policy or that or doing the, but she, man, she's like, it's dark and I'm shining my light and I'm serving the people of, well, I don't know if it's 20 or the bigger, I don't actually know, I must not be a good friend. I don't know what you do, girl, <laughs> you know, but whatever, man, that's worship because she's not serving herself. Amen. Yeah. So what can you and I do for this beautiful nation? You can vote. Number one, you can vote led by the Spirit. I don't get to. Me and Daniel, I, we don't get to. Sorry, Brew, right? But um, you can vote led by the Spirit. But, you know, I can do the other stuff with y'all. The second thing is you can hold our nation before God in prayer. 
right? Now, when you pray for the nation, please don't pray for your own interests. Is that okay? Come on, let's pray. Let's pray for the nation, right? And the third thing, and I think this is the biggest thing you can do, you can worship God. And not, not just sing it in church. You can worship God. Why does that make a difference for our nation? Because God inhabits the praises of his people. Y'all ever heard that scripture that come out of the Psalms? Do you know what the picture, you know, Hebrew was a pictorial language. You know what the picture of that is? Praise builds a throne for God to sit on. You know what kings do when they sit on their throne? They issue edicts and commands. That's when they make their decisions. Do you want God to speak life and decree something beautiful over this nation? Praise him. Let's pray. Let's worship God because it builds a throne for him to reign right where you are. Worship welcomes the manifest presence of God. You want to drive the devil out, worship God. Right? Worship silences the enemy, as Jesus reminded us of. Worship glorifies God and it causes others to see your good works and glorify him. Uh, my friend, she said, we're a light in there in a dark place. Yeah, we're a light. Shine. Jesus said, and let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. Jesus said that, yo, that must be true. Right? So, so, I'm, so you're telling me if I do my job as unto the Lord, you know, y'all you wouldn't half bake something and say, God, check what, what I did, right? I just kind of sort of, you know, half-hearted, right? If you're doing it for the Lord, you finna do that thing, aren't you? Right? Man, can you imagine at your workplace working like that? And it draws attention not to you, but to Father God. And he gets the glory. And people start glorifying God. And his presence comes, right? Do you think that would make a difference in our nation if we all did? I say our nation. Thank you for letting me live here in this nation with you. I love this place. So after you vote, take responsibility for your space, right? You guys are, you guys are going to be led by the Spirit. You're going you're gonna to do this thing. You're going to tick the box. You're going to trust God. Right. And you're going to select, a, you know, I'm still a little ignorant, a party that's going to nominate a leader. Please forgive me for my ignorance. I just learned the anthem. Y'all sing the anthem this morning. So I'm, I'm coming. All right. I'm educating myself. Right. And you're going to trust in to, to make the policies, policies that are the best that will bring life for everybody in South Africa, not just who aligns with your interests. And y'all going to do that. But when that's done, then it's going to be in their hands. And you know what you're going to have power over? Your circle where you are. Let's take responsibility for our space where we are and make sure God is present there and God is glorified there and that the worship arises. Who is it that lives in us? And is he truly greater than anyone in this world? Didn't John say that? Greater is he that is in thee than he that is in the world. I grew up on King James, forgive me. The one, the NIV says, the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. Does anybody believe that tonight? If let's, then let's live like it, shall we? If the enemies get in the upper hand in our nation and our community, but greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, then I want to submit to you that it's not the government's fault. If the enemy's winning... It must be a distracted church. So where are the worshipers? Where are the worshipers who bring the overwhelming presence of God to scatter the darkness of the enemy? 
Where are the worshipers who live righteously towards their fellow man, doing justly and loving mercy? Let the worshipers arise. Where are the worshipers who live at peace with one another because we serve one God rather than dividing from one another over this issue or that? Where are those worshipers? Let the worshipers arise. Where are the worshipers who would rather say God is just than say I am right? Where are they? Let the worshipers arise. Let the worshipers arise. Let the worshipers of God arise and let the sound of his fame resound across this beautiful nation. Amen. Y'all, I'm excited. I'm not mad. I'm excited. Let the worshipers arise. And I'm not talking just a stunning sound on a Sunday in this building, but I hope how many of us are in here? Is there like 250, 300 of us in here? Man, that's enough to make a heck of a racket tomorrow morning in 20. (laughs) Y'all, let's get up tomorrow and go to work. Let's make some noise for Jesus, shall we? Yeah, get up tomorrow morning and say, Jesus, thank you that I'm yours. Thank you that everywhere I go, the most powerful force in the room is you and you are inside of me. Thank you, Jesus. I give you my day today, Lord. I give you the work of my hands. Let it bring you glory. Lord, let it bring you glory. Today, I'm going to flip burgers, and I pray that you'd be glorified by it. Y'all don't laugh. I I believe Jesus can show up in McDonald's kitchens. Amen? Today, I'm going to write this policy. Today, I'm going to file this thing for the legal whatever. Today, I'm going to do this code. I'm looking at my friend who codes for SAP. Today, I'm going to whatever. Jesus, as I do it with everything I've got, it's unto you. Would you be glorified? And may the work of our hands make a sound of worship that overwhelms the enemy. Wouldn't it be great if hauling rubbish and flipping burgers and we chase the enemy out? With the sizzle of my hamburger, the enemy running. Amen. Let the worshipers arise. Won't you stand with me? Sure. I'm going to pray a prayer of devotion. And I'm going to invite you to join me. But here's the deal. Instead of like praying after me, like the old school, you know, I was raised Southern Baptist. Man, I prayed after the preacher every Sunday of my life. You know, why don't you out pray me? I'm going to pray from my heart and you pray from yours and just overdo this sound system, overwhelm these speakers and just pour your heart out to God. And what I'm going to do and invite you to join me is I'm going to rededicate myself as a worshiper of God. I'm going to say, God, let the sound of your worship come out of my life, out of the work of my hands, out of the sound of my mouth and the sound of my heart, God. And I want to live justly and rightly before you. Right? So I'm going to do that and I want to invite you to join me. Come on, let's worship the Lord together without music, with the words of our mouth. Let's go. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we get to be called by your name. What a, what a hectic privilege, God, that you would call me, that you would call us by your name. So Lord, I thank you and I declare I am your 
yours, God. Every fiber of my being, God, I am yours. So I give my life to you all over again. Right now, Jesus, I lay my life before you. Every second of it, every second of it, Lord, from every moment of the rest of my days, Lord, wherever I live, but especially here in this beautiful country, God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the sound of my heart and the work of my hands would give you glory, that the work I do, Father, I do it unto you. And as I worship you with the work of my hands, let it make a sound in the heavens that sends devils running in every direction. Lord, I cry out, Lord, it would be an army of worshipers in the city that worship you as we work, as we love our families, as we love our children, as we cook, as we cook and bry, as we, as we wash clothes, as we sweep the floors in our houses, Lord God, as we mow our lawns, Lord God, that it would be an act of worship to you. And Lord, there'd be a crescendo of worship in this nation as your people surrender every part of their lives to you and worship you with all of our lives that the darkness over this nation can't take it and there begins to be pricks of light piercing through to the heavens, Lord God, as we chase away the enemy because we declare the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. This nation belongs to you, God. This province and this city belong to you, God. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Lord, we yield our lives to you. In everything, we worship you, God. We worship you, God. Amen.